When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we start, just a heads up that this episode contains testimonies and stories of war that some listeners may find upsetting or disturbing. Liberia, the smallest country of West Africa, with 580 kilometers of coastline stretching along the Atlantic coast, it's a paradise for tourists and surfers alike. The country boasts a tropical climate, a sea full of fish and golden beaches. Today, if you were to take a stroll on one of those beaches that dot the shoreline, you'd hardly think of what happened here. Freeport, Liberia's main harbor. This used to be a very strategic spot during the last years of a long civil war that ravaged the country between 1989 and 2003. What's that sound? That's a machine gun. Approaching the port. Then they will reply from the free port there. You know, they're using they will stand right there, look on the beach, see people carry people in the water. Jonathan G., a former Liberian soldier in his late 40s, recalls the sound of a battle that took place here. He doesn't want us to use his whole surname as he's still afraid of the consequences of his involvement in the war. When we first met him, Jonathan gave us the impression of being a laid-back guy. This changed as soon as he started to talk about the war. Like water has strong currents underneath a calm surface, Jonathan had another side. His expression revealed that he had experienced violence at its worst. Most of his fellow ex-combatants didn't choose to join the war. They were forced to do so. But Jonathan always knew that he wanted to be a soldier. He had always admired his uncle, a high-ranking military man. He told us when he was about 13, he saw the execution of a failed coup participant at the military barracks, and he thought, that is power. And when the war started, he wanted to be part of it. We need a fight to get back to our home. Sierra Leone is now our home. And the people that brought the war, saying they came to liberate or they're killing us, we need to go back and kill them too. Even to squash their whole family. But he does acknowledge that when he saw himself caught in the middle of a war, he was afraid of dying. We were all scared. Because during that time, when you were part of the, the those army, you get killed. Just like in several other cultures, in Liberia when men go to war, they must be strong, all-powerful, invincible, and merciless. I never had weakness. I never had weaknesses. All I know, what I, what I was told to do, I do it. Yeah. 
Welcome to Cry Like a Boy, a Uranus podcast where we travel to five African countries to tell stories of men defying centuries-old stereotypes. I'm Daniela Lavario, and today we are in Monrovia, the capital of Liberia. We are also going to travel in time. Here, over two decades ago, more than 250,000 civilians were killed during a civil war. Many died during the battles. Others died of hunger, and many thousands more had to flee from devastation. The protagonists of our story are the soldiers behind the fighting, men from all ages caught up in the spiral of violence. Sometimes they were perpetrators, and sometimes victims. Today, society stigmatizes them for their active role in the killings. Yet, this is not only a story about Liberia. This is a story of young men who picked up their rifles when they had nothing left. They obeyed orders and stood on the front line of battle. These soldiers did not shake when they had to pull the trigger because they were not allowed to be vulnerable. This is a story of what is expected of men who go to war. It makes me feel like a man and brave that if this man can do this, my I can do it too. Founded in 1847 by freed American slaves, Liberia was once among Africa's richest countries. Its wealth came from its many natural riches, gems, valuable hardwood trees, and rubber plants, until the war tore everything apart. The war began in 1989, when one armed group belonging to Prince Johnson, a former Charles Taylor commander, assassinated the then-president Samuel Canyon Doe. The assassination was filmed and well-documented. Yet the uprising against President Doe was quite popular as Liberians were fed up of how despotic and dictatorial those administration had become. The resulting power vacuum intensified the fighting between armed groups. The guerrilla war spread to neighboring Sierra Leone and eventually involved Burkina Faso and Libya. Natural resources, age-old inter-ethnic tensions, and the wide gap between the rich and the poor fueled the conflict. Charles Taylor was an active member of President Doe's government. He then joined the resistance against him and soon became a warlord. Taylor's forces and the other factions competing to get the power terrorized civilians in Liberia and neighboring Sierra Leone through killings, rapes, mutilation, pillaging, finally pushing them to move elsewhere in the country. Despite his war crimes, he was democratically elected as president in 1997. He killed my ma, he killed my pa, but I will vote for him. This was the slogan used by Taylor's supporters in his campaign. Taylor was, and probably still is, a very popular figure among his supporters. Once elected, Taylor promised to put an end to the war. But during his time in power, the conflicts became harsher. Plus, he festered conflict in Sierra Leone, Guinea, and Senegal. Now, Mr. Taylor, as you are aware, you are charged on an indictment containing 11 counts. 
which alleges that you are everything from a terrorist to a rapist. What do you say about that? I'm a father of 14 children, grandchildren, with love for humanity, have fought all my life to do what I thought was right in the interest of justice and fair play. I resent that characterization of me. It is false. It is malicious. Did you ever... Taylor underwent trial in 2009 at the International Criminal Court at The Hague. He is currently serving a 50-year sentence for war crimes and crimes against humanity. Those outside of Liberia who are familiar with the Civil War will surely remember a photograph of that period. It depicts a very young man, shirtless and wearing low-waisted military trousers. He's jumping euphorically in the middle of a bridge in Monrovia. In his left hand rests a Kalashnikov. His right hand is raised to the sky in triumph. All around him, the smoke of gunfire. His name is Joseph Duo. And back then, he was a soldier like Jonathan, jubilantly celebrating the fact he had hit his target. World-famous photographer Chris Hondros captured the battle and transported it from the small African country to the front pages of newspapers around the world. The image represented the common attitude of young men towards the war at that time. I really, really enjoyed this war. Like I was, I was playing from like a dream. <laughs> Can I, can I believe that I got, I got a gun in my hand and kill somebody, take somebody's life? War history is full of examples of masculinity taken to the extreme, not only in Africa, but you know, across the world. This is Rachel Wanyana, Uganda Gender Advisor with the Safer World Organization. The organization focuses on preventing conflict and on peacekeeping. She makes an example of her country, Uganda, where men also glorify war and the figure of the warrior. We have also seen in some cultures where men go to war to fight for glory, particularly among the Karamajons. They have warriors who go to war so that they are you know, respected in society because society in their communities have attributed a certain form of valor to being a warrior. Military training is like choreography, a process aimed at breaking down individuality and creating a group of men that respond in unison. Their loyalty becomes unwavering. They're bulletproof. As a soldier, once a soldier is always a soldier. Even if I'm sitting here, if I heard a gun firing, I must move to where the gun's firing. Oh, oh. 
Their training is full of catchphrases about masculinity. Be brave, be strong, be a man. For this reason, the recruitment and training process for soldiers is linked to the idea of how a real man should behave. This, of course, I would say is more of a strategic move because to gain potency and wider acceptance, the military has to align itself with the dominant or the hegemonic norms and value system of the community which it inhabits. Studies suggest that the ability to suppress fear enables soldiers to engage in combat. This in turn helps them to come to terms with the idea of putting their lives at risk every day. They turn into machines that can silence compassion and empathy. This, in the end, allows them to perpetrate violence against their enemies. Many times in these times of conflict, the men are struggling to live up to the societal expectations of masculinity, being able to provide for their families, being able to protect the women whom they find are vulnerable and ought to be protected them by them. So the appeal or the manipulation of these uh, hyper-masculinity qualities offers these men who feel emasculated a way of reclaiming their masculinity. The problems start when masculinity becomes toxic. It is then that manhood is taken to the extreme at the expense of everything, especially women. Thinking that men are entitled to women's bodies. And as such, they feel that they can violate them at will. This explains why there is mass sexual violence against women during conflict and the primary perpetrators are men. It explains why women's bodies are seen as a battleground by men. According to Amnesty International, in Liberia, up to 70% of the population suffered from some form of sexual violence during the conflict. The UN believes the numbers are probably a lot higher as many rapes went unreported. This stopped when Liberian women couldn't take it anymore. Well, I decided if course enough was enough. The killing our mothers, our fathers, our children were being killed and raped. Sometimes 10 persons in a house. And these are trapped or 10 die. Or I said, enough is enough. We cannot sit and our value, our children, our husbands being taken away. We must stand up as women. This is Bernice Freeman from the Women in Peace Building Network. We're at their headquarters in the fish market area in Monrovia, a very central one. This group was created in 2002 to unite Liberian women of different religions and backgrounds with a common goal, to stop the killings and demand peace. The uniform of that group is normally t-shirts and lapa, aka patterned African cloth, 
and their heads are tight. And we stood up. Bernice is short, very dark-skinned. She wears a braided wig that she pulls back. She's a leader. The women listen to her. She's a very lively speaker. We took to the streets. We started mobilizing. We went to the displaced camp. We mobilized. And you know the joy of the Liberal Women Mass Action for Peace. Most of the women that came on board, they have story. So, you will, you will be there for me. I will be there for you because our stories were similar. We want we were united because we were going for something. We were not scared. So I joined the mass action because I was tired with the men being our perpetrators. Liberian women staged non-violent protests to pressure both sides to abide by an unconditional ceasefire. Their contribution was instrumental in bringing about peace. Although the war is over in Liberia, there are wounds that are still open, unhealed. Most of the crimes perpetrated during the war went unpunished. People sometimes bump into the murders of their relatives or their violators in everyday life. For instance, while going to the supermarket. We have two women here that the woman, she had a daughter, the only child. The only child she had was killed, the hair cut off, and they gave it to her to buy. And she was friendly with another woman. Not knowing the woman she was friendly with, the woman's son was the killer of her only child. Liberians have endured a lot over the past decades, but few have the luxury of acknowledging that they are traumatized, let alone seeking help, especially the men. Liberian men are not allowed to talk openly about it because real men are not allowed to show their weaknesses. Or are they? In the next episode of Cry Like a Boy, we will delve into the invisible wounds of war, the wounds of the mind. These wounds don't bleed, but are harder to heal, and they grip Liberia's future. You're listening to Cry Like a Boy. If you're new to the series, check out our stories on redeemed husbands from Burundi, gay men from Senegal, traumatized minors from Lesotho, and fallen migrant and heroes from Guinea. All African men fighting to defy the strict gender roles and rules. You can visit our website for more original content, videos, and opinion pieces. I, Daniela Lavario, will see you on our next journey. In this episode, we used music by Liberian artist Faith Bonnick. You can find out more about her music in her YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. We also used archive files of the Liberian War from the news agency AP and the Nobel Lecture of Liberian former president Ellen Johnson Sirleaf from the NobelPrize.org. With original reporting and editing by Cariel Doe in Monrovia, Liberia, Marta Rodriguez-Martinez, Naira Dablashian, Lilo Montalto-Manella, and Arwa Barcala in Lyon, 
Mam Pea Diao in Nairobi, Lori Martinez in Paris, France, and Clitzia Sala in London, UK. Production design by Studio Chenta. Theme by Gabriel Delmaso. Special thanks to Mampea and Natalia Olsner for collecting the music for this episode. Our editor-in-chief is Yasser Khan. For more information on Cry Like a Boy, a Euronews original series and podcast, go to euronews.com forward slash programs forward slash cry dash like dash boy to find opinion pieces, videos, and articles on the topic. Follow us at Euronews on Twitter and at euronews.tv on Instagram. Our podcast is available on CastBox, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this episode, please give us five stars and leave a comment. We love reading those. Share with us your own stories of how you changed and challenged your view on what it means to be a man. Use hashtag CryLikeABoy. If you're a French speaker, this podcast is also available in French. Dans la tête des hommes. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>